Well, it's a joy to be with you this morning and to worship the Lord on this Lord's Day. As I said to the children, hope you don't have too much trouble with the accent. I'll try to maybe moderate the pace a little just to help you. And, and uh, we look to the Lord to be with us and to help us. Um, there, there's some of our literature on the edge of the platform here. And... Uh, Usually if it was a weeknight, I'd be selling them. But today, since it's the Lord's Day and I don't like to buy or sell anything on the Lord's Day, for you today, they're free. So you just help yourself to them. There, there's a few copies of a little book of mine there called God's Ravens Still Fly, telling about the provision of the Lord for work that we were doing in Eastern Europe. I won't be able to tell you all about that this morning that would be impossible but maybe tonight we'll share a bit more about that but there are a few of those there and you're welcome to have them there's another little book that we did there about a lady called Emma and it's called Emma Standard Bearer of Zion there's a little village in Northern Ireland called Zion Mills and Emma's father built the mill and built the village and she really inherited a fortune but gave it all up to go and serve the Lord as a missionary in Morocco and she died there when she was just 54 years old it's a, it's a very touching story and I'd especially recommend young believers to read that it'd be a blessing to you uh, as you hear what, what she did there's a, a DVD of ours there as well which uh, shows one of the feeding projects that we did in Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa. And, and you're welcome to take those and have a look at it when you get time. And there's a wee audio CD called Old Fashioned Hymns. Vladimir Kashalava is a Baptist pastor in St. Petersburg in Russia. He won the gold medal for being the best clarinetist in the entire Soviet Union. And for a Christian and a pastor to get that accolade was really something. So he recorded some old-fashioned tunes, but not played in an old-fashioned way. Believe me, when you listen to him, he takes off on the improvisations. Fantastic. And, and Vladimir recorded those for us. And, and uh, we, if you want to give us a donation for that to help him, it all goes to help our brother there in St. Petersburg. Please God, in January, we'll be back in St. Petersburg again. Every year, we're involved in a festival of evangelical Christian music and culture uh, when every night for eight nights, we put on a big concert with about 1,500 people and, and various young Christians come and perform to show off their talents and Vladimir's always involved in that. We'd be grateful for your prayers for that. Mr. Putin is closing things down again in Russia and this year we're not going to be, in this next year, January, we're not going to be allowed to run our daily coffee shop to invite people in from the street but nevertheless we're going to be there working and, and we'll appreciate that. Just for a moment or two uh, so you know who's talking to you today. Uh, for most of our lives, uh, my wife Pat and I were involved in ministry to the Jewish people. We were missionaries to the Jews, represented a mission called the Messianic Testimony. And as you probably know, 
There were millions of Jews trapped behind the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union. And when in 1989-1990 the Lord opened the doors to bring them out with the change under uh, Mr. Gorbachev with the Glasnost and Perestroika, we were involved in bringing aid to them. Uh, and, and a big, huge number of them travelled through Italy on their way to America and Canada and Australia and, and lesser numbers, only about a million, went to Israel. But we were taking trucks with food and clothing and all sorts of material to help them. And we continued to do that until very recent times, going backwards and forwards to Russia, Bulgaria, Ukraine, Macedonia, all those various places in Eastern Europe, trying to go to the Jews first and then to everybody else that we would bring help to as well. And, and uh, now they tell me I'm getting too old for driving trucks across Europe and so on. So we're focusing a wee bit more at home, doing quite a lot of work among the gypsy and traveller community, going every year to the annual horse fair at Appleby and going to Balnasloe now in a few days' time in County Galway where about 100,000 travellers and friends will gather and we'll take over an old derelict pub and serve free tea and coffee and share the gospel. And that, that's just to give you some idea of who we are what we do, uh, like uh, as we said to Prince Charles to tell all, would take far too long and we wouldn't get time then to come to the most important thing today, to turn to the word of God and I want us to do that and I'd like us to read this morning from the Psalms and we're going to read today from Psalm number 9, from the ninth Psalm and here we read these words. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou Most High. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thy enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. Thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in the time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise. <clears throat> 
in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And amen. The Lord will add a blessing as he has promised to the reading of this portion of his own precious and inspired and infallible word. And I like what they do in the synagogue, you know, when they read from the scroll of the Torah, then very often the rabbi picks it up and shows it to the people and says, and this is the word of the living God. So this is the word of the living God to our hearts this morning. Very often when uh, I go somewhere where I haven't been before, folk will ask me, uh, how will we introduce you? Will we call you uh, reverend or pastor or mister or... And I said, just call me Ronnie because after all that's my name and I have no objections to being called by my name. What's in a name? It's a funny thing, you know, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, sometimes some of us have had cause to look back and say, why on earth did my mother and father ever call me that? Could they not have thought of some other name to call me? Did you ever feel like that? And yet somehow, maybe just with the march of time, uh, maybe with character, I don't know, sometimes it seems that after a while, either the name grows like you, or you grow like the name, and it just identifies you. I never forget the first time I went to Israel, many, many years ago now, and and when people there would say to me, and what's your name? And I'd say, I'm Ronnie. And they would say to me, how come you've got a Hebrew name? And I'd say, what? That's Hebrew. Now, my mother was a godless woman. We, we grew up without a church, without the Bible, without God. And I think my mother went one evening to the cinema and she saw Ronald Reagan or Ronald Coleman or Ronald somebody acting in the movie and said, if this is a wee boy that I have, I'll call him Ronnie. Ronnie's a Hebrew word that means rejoice, be glad, be happy. My mother had no idea about Jews, about the Bible, that one day, years later, I'd be working as a missionary among the Jews and yet she gave me a name that somehow in the march of time became appropriate. And there's something here in this passage that we read this morning that I want to just remind you of. Here the psalmist says concerning the Lord, they that know thy name, they that know thy name 
will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. What a contrast there is a little bit further down the psalm as we continued our reading where we read the heathen in verse 15. The heathen are sunk down in the pit in the net which they hid is their own foot taken. What a contrast between the heathen who know not the name of the Lord. For those people who live with him, mind you, the heathen aren't all far away in Uganda or somewhere. There are plenty of them all around us, wherever we are. They're sunk down in the pit. In the net that they hid is their own foot taken or snared. I've been in some parts of the world where I found myself completely among the heathen, sunk down in the pit. How desperate it is to see those multitudes sleeping on the street in Addis Ababa. The children that come in from the famine areas thinking that there'll be something better for them in the capital city and there's nothing. Nothing but a dirty pavement. Nothing but abuse. To see them early in the morning scavenging through the dump looking for scraps of food to eat sunk down in the pit of heathenism without God how tragic that is I remember being in one wee church in Lucknow in North India and, and uh, I was staying not far away and, and the WAC, the Worldwide Evangelization Crusade, had a house nearby and a couple of the elderly missionary ladies said to me, uh, Ronnie, would you like to come to the prayer meeting? And I said, oh, I'd love to. They said, it, it'll all be in Urdu. Oh, it doesn't matter if they're praying, I'll be happy. So we went to the wee church and we went in. There were no seats. Everybody sat on the floor. And the building had been flooded so the, the water marks were along the wall, you know, not nice panels like you have here, but marks of the water were that reached that level. And, and all the ladies sat on one side and all the men sat on the other. And the pastor sat at the front, cross-legged, with a wee organ, with a set of bellows on the back that he pumped with one hand while he picked out the tune with the other and conducted the singing by nodding his head. And, and, and the service went on. It was long. I remember sitting there and outside we could hear the chants of those who were burgeoning Hare Krishna and all the rest of it. And, and after a while I thought, if I have to sit here cross-legged like this for much longer, they'll have to carry me out at the end, this shape, because I'll never get straightened up. So I, I, I tried to get my legs unfolded and being a bit long in the legs, you know, I didn't want to kick the people beside me by accident. So I opened my eyes and, and I looked up and, and it was an open roof, you know, with metal trusses holding the walls together. And, and then I saw these great big rats, about as big as a Yorkshire Terrier, in a, in a trail of them, one behind the other, going out across this metal truss. 
So for me, after that, it was watch and pray till the end of the meeting. <laughs> I thought, if one of those boys falls down, there'll be some scurrying to get out of here. And at the end, I said to the pastor, Pastor, the, 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 the rats. He said, oh yeah, that's their pod. They go out back forward there every night. And I'm staying in the house with a missionary and sitting in the nice armchair and suddenly one of these boys ran out from under the chair. And I said, oh, oh, oh. I said, right. He said, oh yeah, they've got a nest in that chair you're sitting on. <laughs> Could you not poison them? Could you not set a trap? Oh no, we don't because uh, all our neighbours are Hindus. And they think that could be their grandmother in the next incarnation. And if we were found to kill the rat, we couldn't stay here. They'd drive us out. And I thought, why, how the heathen are sunk down in the pit. What a contrast. When we look then at those who know the name of the Lord... They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Remember way back in the book of Genesis, when God says to Abram, Abram, take your son, take your only son, take your son Isaac, who you love, and, and get to the place that I'll show you, and offer him there as a sacrifice for me. Now, I, I, I don't know how I would have reacted if I'd been Abram. I think I'd have been saying something, Lord, Lord, you can't mean it. Lord, there must be some mistake. Maybe I didn't hear your voice right. Lord, Lord, I prayed for this boy for 25 years and, and now that I've got him, you want me to kill him? Lord, you can't mean it. But Abraham doesn't say any of that. He walks down, dear friends, what I like to call the pathway of unquestioning obedience. If God says it, I'll do it. That settles it. No argument. He gets up early in the morning. He doesn't take time to think it over. He saddles up the donkey and off he goes. And he travels three days. What a difficult three-day journey that must have been. From Beersheba up into the mountains to Mount Moriah. And the Lord says, this is the place. And you know the story so well. As they're going up the mountain together, Isaac's looking at his father and he's thinking, he's going to have a sacrifice. Father, uh, 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 you brought the wood. Yes. Uh, you brought the fire. There were no matches in those days. They carried the fire smoldering in a jar. You brought the fire. Uh, you brought the knife for making the sacrifice. But you forgot one thing. The most important ingredient is missing. Where is the lamb? For the offering. And Abram says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Do you think Isaac was beginning to feel a bit uneasy? I, I imagine that he was. Uh -huh. And saying to himself, couldn't be me, could it? <laughs> Surely not. And when they arrived to Mount Moriah, to the place that God had told him of, Abram builds the altar and he puts the wood and, and he binds his son. In Hebrew we call that the Akida. He binds him and lays him down. Isaac knew then. Abram was an old man. Isaac was young, strong and virile. He could easily have overpowered his old dad. 
reversed the order but he didn't do it and then you know just at the vital moment when he, when he lifts the knife and he's about to plunge it into Isaac's heart the Lord says stop it's enough now I know that you fear me look behind you and he looks and what does he say a ram a male sheep the Bible's very specific you know it gives us often very important details that sometimes in our reading we miss the significance of a ram caught by its horns in the thicket what's so important about that quite simple offer not to the Lord that which is torn neither that which died by itself if that ram had been caught by a leg or by its fleece it would have been pulling to get out of the thorns and it couldn't be offered so God organized it that it was caught by its horns where it could pull all day and do itself no harm and the ram took the place of the one who should have died and the one who should have died went free because the Lord provided and Abram called the name of the place that day Jehovah Jireh and he gave that name to the Almighty the Lord will provide I'm glad this morning that's one of the great titles of our God aren't you they that know thy name will put their trust in thee for thy Lord has not forsaken them that seek thee Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide how often we have proved him o'er and o'er again and I could keep you until this time next week telling you story after story of how the Lord has provided of how he's intervened at the last most critical moment whenever I think of this I think of George Mueller Mueller the children's friend who, who came from Prussia and who established an orphanage in Bristol and the orphanage grew bigger and bigger and bigger until he had 1500 mouths to feed and one day they came and they said to him Mr. Mueller we're out of funds that's alright the Lord will provide Mr. Mueller we're out of food that night George Mueller spent the entire night in prayer he knelt by his open window he said he kept the window open so that the cold draft would keep him awake because he didn't want to fall asleep he wanted to pray and all the night he prayed and when morning came the staff from the home came and they said Mr. Mueller it's coming to breakfast time what are we going to do he said set the tables so every place was set with a wee bowl and a wee spoon and a mug and when they had all set up in those big long refractory tables for a thousand five hundred children the staff came and they said well Mr. Mueller the tables are set but there's still no food call the children in for breakfast now I don't know about you but I think round about then my faith would have been in my boots but they that know thy name will put their trust in thee the children were called in and Mueller said to the children boys and girls 
it's not our Heavenly Father's will that we should eat just yet. But breakfast is coming. So let's thank the Lord for it. And without a crust in the house, he began to thank God and say the grace. It's a good habit, you know, to thank God for your food. And as he prayed, suddenly the noise of a carriage was heard on the gravel driveway leading up to the front door and one of the wee boys got too excited and forgot about the praying and ran to look out the window and he shouted, Mr. Mueller, Mr. Mueller, there's a carriage. And when Mueller went to the door, there was standing the most ungodly man in Bristol town, a baker to trade. And he's standing there and he says, Mr. Mueller, I don't know what happened, but last night I couldn't sleep. All night I kept hearing a voice in my head saying, Bake bread for Mueller's orphans. Bake bread for Mueller's orphans. And I turned this way and I turned that way and I couldn't sleep. And my wife says, What's wrong with you? And he says, I, I hear this voice. And, 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 and it says, Bake bread for Mueller's orphans. And his wife, who was more God-fearing than him, said, in that case, there's only one thing to do. You may get up and light up the fires and get the ovens heated and bake bread for Mueller's orphans. And he said, Mr. Mueller, I'm here with a carriage load of fresh warm bread straight from the oven. I don't know whether you need it or not, but I brought it. And George Mueller said, fetch it in. And they were carrying in the warm bread. When a man walked up the drive, and he said, excuse me, could you help me? I, I have a problem. What's your problem? I'm on my way to market into town with my cart loaded with milk. And my wagon shed a wheel right at your gate. And I can't get the wagon lifted to put the wheel back on. So I wonder, could you do me a favor? Could you people take the milk off my hands? And George Mueller said, fetch it in. And friends, George Mueller's orphans had bread and milk for breakfast that morning because the Lord's name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And he stepped in to provide for those needy orphans of Mueller's in the hour of crisis when they put God to the test. Later on, George Mueller was so well known in Bristol. He, he, he found out that the farmer next to him was going to sell a bit of his land and he thought, I'd like to expand the home. Maybe I'll buy the land. But when, when he heard the price that was being asked, he said it's far too high. So he made an offer. Half the value of the land. When the farmer heard from his estate agent how little he was being offered, he was angry. And he said, that's an insult. My land's worth double that. And, and, and the estate agent said, sir, excuse me. Do you know who that man is who has offered to buy your land? That's George Mueller from the orphan homes. And sir, if I was you, I would take what he's offering today. Because you see, if you don't, and he prays about this for another week, 
you're going to end up giving it to him for nothing. So take what he's offering. What a testimony eh? to the wonderful provision of Almighty God. This is our God. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thy Lord has not forsaken thee. Circumstances may change, times may change, difficulties may arise, but God Almighty remains the same, and his name this morning is still Jehovah Jireh. And he can provide for you. He can provide for me, as he has done. I love what David said, the sweet psalmist of Israel. When he was getting old, he said, I, I am old. I was young once. I've lived many days. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. It's his name, you see. He can't go against his name. This is the name of the God we serve, Jehovah Jireh. I think of Hudson Taylor. Hudson thought that uh, he, he would get on better in China if he was a missionary doctor. So he was apprenticed to a doctor in Hull to learn how to be a doctor. The only problem was the old doctor who was his master was very absent-minded. Imagine having an absent-minded doctor. The one thing he could never remember was to pay Hudson Taylor his wages. So Hudson never had money. And one Sunday night... He was out giving out gospel tracts in Hull. And he met a drunk Irish man. Imagine that. He met this drunk Irish man who said to him, I wish you'd come home and say a prayer for my wife because she's very ill. And Hudson went with him. And they came to where the, this couple were living in an in a attic room under the slates. And there was the, the wife lying on a dirty mattress with four or five children standing crying around the walls for they were hungry and, and a newborn baby at death's door and all Hudson had in his pocket was one half crown of the old money now for you young people that's twelve and a half pence right? and, and, and that's all he had, those big half crowns you thought you had something when you would one of them and the Lord said to him give them the half crown and he said oh no Lord, that's all I've got. Give them the half crown. He, he says, Lord, you see, if it was smaller money, you know, I would, I, would give them, uh, I would give them sixpence and I'd keep the two shillings. And the Lord says to them, you're a hypocrite. You trust more your half crown than you trust me. He says, well, I came to pray, so I better pray. So he got down on his knees and he started to say, Our Father which art in heaven. And the Lord said, Stop! How dare you call me your Father when you can't trust me? You trust the half crown. Lord, you see, if it was smaller money, you know what I'd do? I'd give them the two shillings, the bigger part, and I'd keep the sixpence. Could you not trust me? So Hudson got up from his knees and he took out his half crown and he said to the man, you might think I'm well to do, but I've got nothing. This is, this is all I have in the world. And I'm giving it to you because we have a loving heavenly father who cares for your soul. And he gave them the half crown and they were happy and they got milk for the children. And Hudson said he walked home feeling as if he was walking on air. He'd obeyed the Lord. What a wonderful feeling that is. 
But he was walking along saying, Praise the Lord, I obey you, but Lord, I hope that was only alone <laughs> because I haven't got anything. Monday morning, the knock at the door. His postman didn't usually come on a Monday, but he came that Monday. And he handed him an envelope, and inside the envelope was a golden half sovereign, which at that time was worth 400 times the value of the half crown. And Hudson Taylor looked at it and he said, You can't trust God. You could trust him even to China. And by and by he did. And listen, friends, by and by he had 900 missionaries depending on him to pay their salary, to pay their expenses, to meet their needs in far off China in those difficult days. And he never made an appeal for money in a meeting. And he never passed the plate to lift a collection. He depended only and entirely on the Lord. And he proved that what he said so often was absolutely true. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You can depend upon it. Because it's his name. Jehovah Jireh, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thy Lord has not forsaken them that seek thee. I'm glad this morning that he's got a name like that, aren't you? That our God has a name like Jehovah Jireh. And that he can meet every need. Not only material. Not only financial. But every spiritual need of our hearts. He can meet this morning by his matchless grace. For that's his name and that's what he specializes in doing. Look very, very quickly, friends. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6, we get another one of those great titles of the Lord where he is called Jehovah Tzidkenu. The Lord is my righteousness. Thank God this morning we're not depending on our own righteousness. We are not depending on what we may have done or what we may have achieved. We're depending upon the righteousness of Christ. And how lovely today to be able to say, I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gave to me. I am covered over in the precious blood of Christ and now he lives in me. Oh, what joy it is to know my heavenly father loves me so and gives to me my Jesus. Are you depending on your own righteousness? Your own good works? The Lord is our righteousness. The old hymn says, I once was a stranger. To grace and to God I knew not my danger. I felt not my load. Though men spoke in wonder of Christ on the tree. Jehovah said Kenya was nothing to me. But then God awakened me. He became my righteousness. To be washed in the blood of the Lamb. To be covered in that robe of righteousness that Jesus gives is the most important thing for all of us. Is he your righteousness today, dear friend, this morning in the service? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah said, can you? I love that other title in the book of the Judges, chapter 6, verse 24, where it says that he shall be called 
Jehovah Shalom. Shalom's that lovely Hebrew word that you use when you're feeling good. You know, it means hello, and it means goodbye, and it means how are you, and, 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 and every time you meet somebody going down the street, you simply say, Shalom. And when you're feeling real good, you say, Shalom, Shalom. And on Friday night and Saturday morning, you'll say, Shabbat Shalom. And you can use it for everything. The Lord is my peace. Peace, brother. Peace to you. These are days when the world is looking for peace. Isn't it a strange thing with all the treaties, all the talks? We haven't really had a single day of peace since the hostility stopped at the end of the Second World War or even before the First World War. No real peace. The world's in turmoil. What's going to happen with North Korea? Is there going to be more violence? What's going to be the outcome in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Iran, in Syria? The world's in a big mess this morning. And peace is far away. And I'll tell you what, it's wonderful in a time of uncertainty like this to be able to say, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. That in the midst of the world's turmoil, and it's going to be worse, and I believe it's going to wax worse and worse as nearer draws the Lord's return. To know his peace in your heart. To be able to say, I have a peace in my heart that the world never gave. A peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud, I have a peace that has come there to stay. Because the Lord is my Peace. I have to finish. My, my time is gone. And I've only just touched on these last couple of points. But, but there, there's a final one I want to leave with you. I can't, I can't stop without mentioning this. Because the very last verse of the very last chapter of the book of Ezekiel contains another one of these great names of the Lord. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. It's a lovely name. One day, he says, the city shall be called Jehovah Shammah. One day, it'll be said of Jerusalem, the Lord is there. And I would need a few hours to talk about that concerning the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, when his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. But not time to do that this morning. But listen, I want to tell you, even yesterday morning, when I set out to leave from Belfast, where I live a few miles outside the city. The rain was pouring down. It's been a very wet season, eh? It was lashing down. And, and I went down to Belfast City Airport and I came out to the wee flyby aircraft, the old turboprop job that flies to Aberdeen. And, and I made my way out and, and I got into my seat and I'm looking out the window and the gusts of wind are causing the aircraft to shake a bit and the rain is lashing past the windows and I'm sitting there looking out and thinking what a day to be going anywhere. Hope it'll be better in Aberdeen when I get there. And then down she went down the runway and up and she bumped and shook about a bit going up through the clouds 
and and uh, I debated whether to have a cup of coffee or not in case it would end up on the ceiling. And 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 I'm looking out at that rain rushing past the window and thinking how terrible. And then suddenly we're out of the cloud into brilliant sunshine and blue sky. And I'm sitting there looking out the window and I thought, well, look at that. And and I was sort of muttering to myself, they say it's a sign you've got money in the bank, but don't believe it. I, I, I was just sort of muttering and saying, well, there you are, son. Son, you were there all the time. When I was down, I couldn't see you. When I was down there, I couldn't feel your warmth. I could only see the grey clouds and, and the, the storm battering around the aircraft. But all the time you were there, and then I suddenly thought, ah, that's just like the Lord. The Lord is there. Blessed be his name. Friends, he'll be there with you tomorrow morning when you go out to face the world on your right hand. You know what he said? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, even unto the end of the world. That's his name. The Lord is there. He is Jehovah Shammah. He will be your Jehovah Shammah tomorrow. And throughout the next days, come what may. Who knows what lies ahead of us? But it's good to know that come what may, healthy or ill, sick or well, rich or poor, at home or abroad, whatever the circumstances of life, the Lord is there. And he'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. What a blessed promise. Is it, is it any wonder that this, the psalmist says, they that know thy name, maybe you should have put it in the plural, eh? they that know thy names will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Here's really the last. I was a student in Manchester years ago. And, and uh, in Manchester there's a big store, still exists, it's called John Lewis's. And, and in those days, and earlier, Lewis's stores was in, in two parts. And in between, there was a mission hall. I think it was a Quaker mission hall. But anyway, there was a hall there. And the directors of Lewis's stores thought, you know, our, our clients go in there and they come out and they don't go into the other department. And, and if only, if only we could unite the two bits of the store into one big shopping mall, you know the way is the style today, then we'd get all the customers under one roof and we'd make more money. So, so they decided to send a letter to the trustees of the mission hall. And they wrote, look, we would very much like you to leave. We want to take over the hall and unite the two halves of our store. We'll give you whatever money you want for your mission hall in order to achieve this. Signed, the directors of Lewis's stores. So the letter arrived at the wee mission hall and they decided to write back. And when the letter came back, Lewis's directors thought it was a joke. Because it said, we're really sorry if we, we, we like upset you in any way. But we're sure that God put us here and we're not moving. But however, if it's such a problem to you, our wee committee has decided that we'll buy out Lewis's. And they thought, oh, this must be a joke. This wee hall with a handful of people. 
And then as they came to the end of the letter, it was saying, Yours truly, Mr. Cadbury. For the Cadburys belonged to that little hall in Manchester. And you see, friends, behind the name on the bottom of the document lay all the mighty resources of the great Cadbury chocolate fortune that could have bought the whole of Manchester, never mind Lewis's store. And beloved, this morning, behind this name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shammah, and all the rest of them that we hadn't time to look at, Behind all of that lies all the power of heaven that will never fail us. Blessed be his name. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. So let's trust him. Let's trust him wherever he might lead us to. And he'll never fail us. And he'll never, never let us down. Thanks so much for listening this morning. It's a joy to be with you. Don't forget the, the things that are there. You're welcome to help yourself to those, please, as you leave the service today. Have we a closing hymn? Come on.